What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. We can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits, conquer fear, or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. look to the future, but embrace our past. We study, we analyze, we race on Sunday so we can innovate on Monday. We exercise trial and error religiously. through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection. We learn. How to make products for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision.
Bolo here from Grunball. Kingsley turns that five sideways. Brian McGee is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond gal Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Brand, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. With us on the line, we've got none other than the great Tony Blazer. Blazer, how's it going? Very well, Brad. How are you? Hey, not doing too bad. I'm doing better than my woeful uh, Cowboys are doing, and I imagine that you're doing uh, even better than uh, those those pesky Redskins that you're a fan of. <laughs> We're not doing too bad. This last week we had a bye, so we couldn't lose, so it was not a total loss. Yeah, absolutely. You guys were undefeated in the past week. Uh, no, no game for you guys, which is why I ended up having to pick up Tyrod Taylor uh, for my fantasy quarterback. Unfortunately, that didn't work out great, but still got me the win. And then now I get back. I get Kirk Cousins back next week. Like uh, I can't totally discredit your team. I am. I am a fan of uh, Kirk Cousins and his contributions to my fantasy football team. Well, you know, you went up a notch in my book just now, so I appreciate that. Hey, I'm all about those notches, my friend. But uh, it's it's that time of year where we talk about uh, heading back to Sam Boyd Stadium, a spot where the two of us will not be in attendance this year. Regrettably so, uh, my side, but obviously I love to do my my, uh, my media stuff side, but i also a little bit extra bitter for you for the fact that uh, the king himself requested your presence and you were, you're unable to give him that. I was super bummed about that. Yeah, he wanted to get together, and he asked me if I was coming, and I was like, oh, man, I was going to, but work conflicted, so I'm screwed. Yeah, no, I, I, there's there's no amount of work com- conflicts that would keep me away from a, a rendezvous with the king, but uh, to each his own, my <laughs> friend. I, 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 if... if uh, um, if 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 Jeremy McGrath calls me up and says he wants to go to a third world country uh, to try strange meats, I'm going there. Well, if I'd had more than like a couple of days notice, I might have yeah. been able to figure something out. But when he calls me like on a Thursday or whatever, and I'm like, uh, I don't have tickets. I don't have anything scheduled. I was like, I was screwed. Enough. Well, just to have the phone ring and have uh, an MC to be on the other side of the line, that's pretty cool. Um, and, and and maybe you, you'll be able to uh, cash in on that rain check sometime soon. That would be great. I definitely would love to do that if I can make it work. Okay, man. So let's let's look forward to uh, one, honestly one of the biggest off season races of of uh, the the schedule. Um, in in the nineties, in the, it was it was Bercy Supercross. You had a lot of guys going over there, and it was kind of like the European guys and a ton of the American guys would go over, and there was a lot of eyes on that. I think that's taking a step back a little bit, and obviously we've had the uh, the different in, in, um, kind of uh, incarnations of the yeah the incarnations of um, the the THQ or the, the what was it? Uh, 
U.S. Open used to be. U.S. Open. Thank you. Uh, that was uh, – I have to edit that out, but I won't. Uh, I'll look like an idiot uh, to my fans. But uh, U.S. Open <laughs> basically went away uh, because 450s in an arena cross uh, just didn't go well, uh, even though we were Did you ever go to, to the U.S. Open, Brian? Uh, I did actually. I went to two of them. Uh, I, I think they were really cool. I went to uh, both uh, 2000 and 2003. And uh, the, the coolest thing about um, 2000 was to see like a, a bunch of the, the guys from 125s who'd moved up, like just about everybody. Uh, I think uh, Hot Sauce had a, had a pretty good uh, year that year on a 252 stroke. You got to see all the KTM guys, which you almost never got to see a factory KTM 252 stroke uh, being raced by anybody noteworthy until an event like that, because at that time that bike was uh, more than just mal- much maligned. So uh, that those, those were always kind of cool. That was cool. I went to like, I don't know, three or four of them. I was actually at 2000 as well. So we were there together. And I remember, um, Oh six, I guess was the, the one where I was, my heart dropped because RC rolled out that RMZ four stroke. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. He's going to race this big thing in here. And you know, history was never the same after that. Yeah, no, and he had both bikes prepped, actually. That was the cool thing about yep. that particular year is that he had both bikes prepped, and he was, like, doing, doing practice on both and trying to figure it out. And uh, I think the starts were just better on the four-stroke, but I, you can't, even at that point, I don't think you can tell me that four-strokes are still better for Supercross, even though uh, all the championships yeah. after that were won by a four-stroke. I think even at that point, a potent 252-stroke in the right hands was uh, was hands down the best bike. Especially in a tight venue like that. I mean, if you have never been to the race, it was essentially like an arena cross. It was inside the MGM, and it was super tight. I, was, I couldn't believe he was going to ride that big thing there, but he made it work. But, yeah, you're right. That, and with carburetors and stuff, until fuel injection came along, I really just still don't think the four-strokes were necessarily that much better in Supercross. But, of course, now with EFI and electronics and fuel injection, it's probably no contest. Oh, absolutely. The the, the, the modern four stroke is uh, is a potent race machine, uh, and uh, there's a reason why I got like uh, a, a two stroke just straight up can't can't compete. You're you're in the you're never in the wrong gear on those those four strokes. Uh, they're plush. Right. They don't have that hesitation that the carburation uh, ever had, and uh, they're nice and light. Although maybe never never going to be as light as their two stroke counterparts, but. Uh, um, with all the unobtainium, titanium, and these guys strap onto those things, uh, they're right at the limit, and uh, those guys just make it happen. Plus the fact that you can literally be standing at the base of a triple and you just go, Bwop, and you up you go. It's crazy when you see, you know, when you go out and walk the track and you look at like, how can you possibly jump this with so little run? But they literally stop at the base of the thing and just grab a handful and they can hit those triples. It's crazy. Yeah, actually, one one that sticks out to me is uh, it was one particular year, I want to say it was St. Louis, where Brock Tickle ended up going, getting taken out right before the finish line at one of the one of the rounds. I don't know if it was, a, it was a, the main event or maybe it was a heat race. And his bike was literally maybe 10 feet from the base of the takeoff. And he literally just started it, put it in, probably clicked it into second, and then just seat bounced, and over he went, like literally from a dead stop to jumping yep. the finish line doubles probably it's not 60 feet it's probably closer to 50 but the fact is it's just like to step off that landing like that's just insane it's insane i mean and, and usually the supercross finish lines i, I you give me like a 50 yard run and i'd be like still puckered up a little bit you know? yeah. <laughs> like doing it with 10 feet it's crazy 
insane. But uh, let's look a little bit at the uh, the, the lineup that these guys will, that uh, from the race, the, the cup class. We're not going to get into the amateur classes uh, because uh, uh, in a lot of ways they, they haven't earned the right for us to talk about them until they turn pro. Would you agree? <laughs> I don't even – I was looking through the list of names. I don't know, but like two. I know maybe uh, Talon Bowen's son. I recognize that. And that's about it. Everybody else, I have no idea. I don't really follow the amateurs, to be honest. You're just you're you're rooting for the kid that's head to toe in a Cherbies. Yes, exactly. BFE. Or if anybody's in BFE gear, they they get my vote. Oh, that 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 would be a bold move if someone ever showed up in that stuff. Just like like what didn't have a gear sponsor and just showed up with that. That'd be unreal. But uh, let's let's look at this cup class as they call it. The, the, it's not a 450 class. Um, I guess you could really ride anything you want in it. I think uh, there's uh, a couple of guys that'll actually be on 250Fs, but. Uh, Noteworthy, obviously, coming back, and he released, they released the, the graphics that you're going to be running for uh, the number one uh, in this particular event, is uh, Eli Tomac. Let's talk a little bit about his results that are uh, being expected. I think that he's your odds-on favorite to win, and that's more like a uh, 49-51 argument between him and uh, Marvin Muskan. But I want I know you probably want to want to talk about uh, the, the, the bike and how, how it's going to match the gear and all that fun stuff. <laughs> uh, well, I think I haven't seen what Eli's gear is going to look like. I assume it's green. I think Kawasaki makes him run green, so it's actually the only Alpine Star stuff that I don't hate um, in the U.S. At least I like the stuff like Hairlings wears, but it seems like we usually like Barsh always has something goofy on. But since Eli switched over to Cowie, it's usually pretty understated. They make him wear something that's not like you know insane looking. So I, I, I think it's probably a picture of his gear. It's ugly. Is it really? Okay, I gotta yeah. see this. I, I actually haven't seen it. Is it? Is it terrible? Is he wearing something insane? It's gray and red. Is it really? That's surprising. Well, maybe because it's not an AMA race, do they allow him to run something a little bit, a little bit different? Yeah, he's been hinting at it uh, on his social media, and then they posted a picture of it. So I can almost guarantee he's in it. Huh? Yes. Well. It's yeah. mostly white, well, you know, gray accents, big, big lettering, uh, um, and then uh, yeah, your your patented uh, A star over the over the heart. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not the mo- it's not the ugliest thing in the world. I think the uh, no, the, it's the, actually the not that bad. Fox is it, a little bit worse than that, but yeah, yeah. it's yeah. But, that's uh, that's I guarantee it looks better than what Barsha is going to have on. That doesn't look yes. that bad. I'm surprised it's not green, but maybe they're letting him. I actually do like a lot of times at the U.S. Open. I remember a couple of years ago the RCH team had like special graphics, and sometimes they'll run something a little different for the race, which makes it a little bit fun. What about those graphics on the bike? A, a matte a matte finish on the number plates, kind of a gray on the number plates, and like kind of all blacked out KX. Uh, the only thing that is really recognizable on the graphics is that that monster M that I know you love so much. <laughs> I'm all for any time they mix it up a little bit. Like I, I don't really care for Barsha's look, um, but in general, if they mix it up a little bit, especially with the monster, because they never change it up so much. Every every single year looks like everything else, you know. So anytime if they're going to do anything that's a little bit different over there, I'm I'm for it. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I, I did like to see at least some di- some change. I think honestly, if you put if you lined up the last uh, ten or twelve, uh, or no, not ten, but l- last uh, three years of KX four fifties, other than some plastics different, not a whole lot's changed with their graphics for the factory teams. And I kind of like that. Back in the nineties, you used to be able to tell, like, yeah, that was ninety four, that was ninety two. Oh yeah, that was ninety. Um, just, and there wasn't even that much huge wholesale changes. They just went with like a different color there or a different logo there, and that seemed to uh, really set the bikes apart. Yeah, they don't change the look at all. And back in the old days, you're right. You could actually tell what what year it was. Just, at least I can at a glance. But like with the PC bikes and the monster bikes, I'm like, I literally don't know at a glance without really studying it ever so closely as to what exactly, um, you know, what exactly it's gonna. Uh, tell you what year it is. It's it's crazy. They just don't change much. I guess Monster has such a tight hold on what the bikes can look like. Um, it's nice to see them mix it up even a little bit. Yeah, I'm 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 probably better at figuring out what year it is based on the 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 bike number and which who's riding it. Because uh, then I can kind of like backwards engineer what year that probably was based on that particular rider's number that year, and that kind of helps me out. But uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to tell. I know it, you're right. It's just a green monster logo and then uh, some green and black mixed up, and that's usually all there is. Yes, sir. Now let, let's talk about some cont- like some challengers to your number one contender. Obviously, I'd mentioned earlier that uh, it was kind of a forty-one fifty uh, fifty-one forty-nine split between, in my opinion, Eli Tomac and Marvin Muskan. Is there anyone really in there? Anyone else listed that uh, can kind of uh, mix things up? A l- just that little bit more that you can see on the the current in- current entry list, which is available on RacerX. I I gotta be honest. I think I think Tim Geiser could surprise people because there's no supercross whoops. The track is going to be fast. It's probably the turns are probably flat. And, um, you know, GPs always have you know pretty hard packed, crappy tracks at the time. So it wouldn't surprise me if he could be up front. I, I don't know if he'd actually win. Um, and I, I actually wouldn't be too surprised if Barsh is up front. It's, you know, he seems to ride better when he's got something to prove, and oh, yeah. um, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets the whole shot if he could. I don't know if he'd win, but I think he could finish like in, in top three for sure. He might be, you know, not as fast obviously as Eli or, or Marvin, but it's not like you have twenty super fast guys out there. It's really not much of a deep field this year at the event, so. No, I agree. I, uh, I, I it, it all for, for me. It all depends on what that that chip on Justin's shoulder is made of. If it's a light material, he'll be able to leap out to some pretty impressive starts, and I could definitely see him uh, leading laps, if not taking a moto win. I don't really pencil him in for an overall victory, but um, in my opinion, the guys who stand a chance to win uh, a moto uh, or a heat, I guess one of the main events. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, I guess they call it a moto. Um, like. Eli Tomac, uh, Jason Anderson, Jason Marvin Anderson. Can, yep. and 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 then then a Barsha. Like that's your four guys that have a chance to win uh, like three main events, and uh, like all racing. And this is like this is a, a like really like strange. Um, uh, just like thing popping into my head. Like this is totally groundbreaking. I think it comes down to the start. <laughs> well, especially in these. 10 lappers because it seems like in every one of these every year the guy that gets the whole shot has got such a huge advantage in a short sprint race like that what could they make things a little interesting is the fact that the joker lane is shorter not longer this year so that if somebody's holding you up a, a good blocker like a you know a, a bar share or something that might be an opportunity to get around the guy 
you know, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to that. That's one thing I do love about this event. In general, it's just kind of a fun off-season distraction, but I do love the fact that they changed things up at this event. I was a huge proponent of adding the Joker lane into Racer 2, even though all the hardcore people think it's BS. Um, I love the fact that they mix it up and have the 10 three-lappers. So a guy that gets good starts and is a good blocker has a has a decent chance. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think Barsha probably is going to be winning, but I could definitely see him holding a couple of guys off for a short little 10-lap sprint, you know, at least in one of these races. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. FlyRacing.com is the home of quality and innovation. The design team at Fly tirelessly rebuild and retool premium lines like the Evolution 2.0 and Light Hydrogen with features like zipper lock to prevent closure failures and EVO's BOA technology, which ensures the perfect fit. Complete your protective gear combo head-to-toe with Fly Racing F2 Carbon MIPS Retrospect and Fly's entry into the premium boot segment with their sector. All products and colorways are available at FlyRacing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, guys, this is Bryce Hudson, and when I'm not out there uh, mixing soap or twisting the throttle, I'm over here listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, Big MX listeners, it's time for another commercial break. Please listen carefully to these, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing products. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. Hey, Big MX fans. Thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. TractionMX is the place to get your seat covers for any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha, 
KTM, you name it, these guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one of a kind. The reason why they're one of a kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick the everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American, and uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you could have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to TractionMX.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with Viral Brand. Viral Brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market. From supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between. Viral Brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. Head on over to theviralbrand.com and get tinted lenses clear lenses, 10-pack of tear-offs, and goggle bag for only $59.99. Viral brand products are available in the U.S., Canada, and Australia, and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the Viral brand. Yeah, no, they're they're short races, and um, it, it, having if you if you're good at starts and you can ride that wide bike like uh, like like a, a Justin Barsha can, definitely uh, plays into your favor. And I think that like when those rounds come around in Supercross, where they have that format, he is uh, like that. It's immediate uptick. Like it's it's kind of like a, a mud moto, so to speak. It's a strength of his that he can get good starts and sprint. And there's some guys that like say like if uh, like. Prior to 2000 and uh, and 2016, 17, Ryan Dungey was would have not done well in that uh, um, that format, and and he proved to not do well in that like in that format uh, in in throughout 2011 through 15. You're right, exactly. That was like Dungey's weakness. He just didn't have that early sprint speed. I was like, you know, a guy like a um, a really fast starter with great sprint speed. You know, you see these guys who can win heats all the time, but then you know crumble in the main event. And a short race like that isn't going to, you know, especially back when Dungey was getting that nickname the Diesel, it wasn't really his forte. You know, they were, the race wasn't long enough to let him to catch up to anybody. And by then, the really fast guys were already too far ahead. So I do love the fact that it's going to mix it up a little bit. You can definitely see somebody, um, you know, surprising. Look at Justin Bogle, look at him, and then I, I don't expect to see it. But I was at Bud's Creek when he, he won that race, and I was like, man, the kid, the kid looked legit up front, you know, and, it wouldn't be totally shocking to see him, you know, get up front or get a good start and hold on to the lead. You know, I wouldn't be completely shocked at this point. Right. Be, uh, and, and it's funny to think that his 450 race wins uh, as well as moto victories have come outdoors where I think that uh, – I wouldn't say he's a Supercross specialist. Obviously, he has a, a Supercross East uh, title. Um, but uh, this is a wide-open track. Maybe not something that I would say that uh, plays into uh, Justin Bogle's um, – Fort like his strengths, but uh, maybe holding it wide open is something that he's better at. It's like uh, I, I kind of 
um, think of him more as a, a really technical rider, a guy that can place the bike really well, and that's not really what Monster Cup um, kind of focuses on. But uh, I think he's definitely in the running for some podium finishes, especially with, like you said, not the deepest field in the world with guys like um, Jason Anderson had some surgery post-racing. Uh, post uh, I think that uh, Josh Grant also has spent some time off the bike, although recently he's been riding more. Um, I Like... If you look at it, there's not Marvin a whole too. lot of Marvin guys that are rolling into this season. totally healthy. Sorry? I said, yeah, Marvin, too. He had some surgery after the end of the season, right. too. So he, I, mean, I imagine he's been riding for a month or two now. But you're right. This will be the first accident they've had in a while. So a lot of the guys ended up getting you know nagging problems taken care of at the end of the year. Um, so it would be interesting to see. You know, I guess yeah. something like Eli has been racing pretty steady. I guess the last thing he did was the um, USGP. Uh, but... I it, it, I love any time they switch it up a little bit, so you just don't know going in. Okay, this guy is going to dominate, um, and just run away from it. You know, it, it might happen that Eli does that, but heck, even when Eli's on top, he's so unpredictable and inconsistent. Anything <laughs> he might win two motos and then cartwheel in the third, you just don't know. Absolutely. Um, one guy that's gotten probably the most amount of gate drops in 2017 is none other than Dean Wilson, uh, a guy who is now solidified himself back as a, a factory, uh, a perennial fa- factory rider. I think he's taken the best of his uh, his opportunities and he's doing well with it. Uh, tons of gate drops. He's raced. I, I can't remember if he raced the USGP or not. I don't think he did. Um, I don't but, think so. Uh, no, but he's he's been doing a ton of racing and uh, and, and did very well, obviously at uh, at Matterly Basin, uh, only two weeks ago. Do you think that kind of puts him behind the eight ball a little bit on Supercross texting? And if so, do you think that'll show in his results? That's a good question. I, I'm not a huge Dean fan. I'm so psyched that he was doing so well this year in the outdoors. I don't know. I mean, the, the thing that's nice about this is it's sort of a supercross track the only thing really supercrossy about it is the fact that it's um in a stadium and there are some big jumps. Of rhythm sections yeah yeah exactly but the main thing is there's no whoops um the rhythm sections can't be too crazy because you can have like minis out there on it so it's you know it's not like anaheim one so i don't think it's going to hurt him too much the good thing about it is he's been riding and racing he did have a little bit of competition under his belt recently i don't think dino you know, and they always used to say, you know, you, JT would say you work with speed, but last year in Supercross, he didn't really show that blazing speed he had two or three years ago. It was more outdoors that he really picked up the pace. So, I don't know. I, I, I could see him having a top five, and, I, God, I'd love to see him win. I'd be so psyched for the kid, but I would be surprised. Um, it could happen, but he wouldn't be. I wouldn't pick him in my top three for sure. Okay, so let's go off the board. Let's talk about some guys that uh, um, may or may not be driving uh, to Vegas to, uh, um, to to more or less be making up the field a little bit. And I hope that they don't listen to this and think that I'm sledding them anyway. But the the show is those usually those top ten guys. Um, who out of uh, Vince Freeze, Heath Harrison, Tyler Bowers, uh, Alex Ray, Chris Blos? Even Jason, Jacob Hayes, who out of those guys can mix things up a little bit and uh, and maybe get inside that top ten? Ooh, I can see Vince Freeze doing it. You talk about a guy who gets great starts and wide to wide bike, um, and he actually showed pretty legitimate speed at times. You know, he's not. I think he still has that reputation as being a bit rude on the track, but the guy has shown legitimate speed at times. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's able to get in the top ten for sure. Um, I, I mean, some of the other guys like a Kyle Chisholm. 
maybe top ten. You know, I don't I don't see a Frederick Moore. Maybe a Jordan Smith. Uh, is Jordan riding a two fifty? Do you know, or is he riding a four fifty? I would imagine he's on a 250 just for comfortability's sake. Yeah. I don't think they would put him on a, a 450 for one race. Like, I think in the past, yeah. Zach Osborne's raced this race on a 250F. And, like, given the fact that he's probably not going out there to win it, he's probably going to ride right. the, the 250 for the fact that, like, just just to not kind of, like, screw up the waters any more than they already are given the fact that he's been riding a 252 stroke lately getting ready for the Red Bull straight rhythm two stroke race so um, yeah yeah I mean I guess if you're going to say if like the ones that not, not the top tier riders I would say uh, no offense to Vince Freeze but he would probably be my pick to have the best finish of those guys um, I don't see him likely beating uh, you know like a Christian Craig or some of these other guys that are on really good equipment but um, he, he could definitely get in the top 10 for sure. I think, uh, what, what do you, do you think like a guy like, uh, um, a Brock tickle, what do you see him finishing? Do you think he's a top five threat on the KTM? Um, I think that, that, uh, Brock tickles is a kind of guy that really likes to shake down a motorcycle. And the fact that he's only been on that machine for about four weeks now, um, and, and probably only ridden Supercross on it for about a week or two. I think he's a little bit behind the eight ball uh, as far as just having that, that's like getting used to the stiff feeling of uh, like the Supercross setting. That is the, the KTM. Obviously I think that uh, like moving to the Cromali frame is going to be a huge uh, asset to him just because he doesn't have that plushness of that, uh, of, of that, that particular motorcycle, I think that it turns, it, it handles really well. It feels very comfortable to these fast guys. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think he could be a top five guy. I don't think of him as a podium guy for this particular event, but uh, I figure him in around the seven to five range. I think he's right. That's where his home is, and he'll be doing battle with guys like uh, uh, Jordan Smith uh, a little bit, as well as Christian Craig and um, and Josh Grant. Yeah, I, I would see him probably in the same kind of area with Dean. Maybe Dean might have a little edge. I don't know. I mean, they're both going to be on similar bikes. X, probably yes. some of the best bikes in the pits for sure. So, um, oh, I would agree. I would see him up there, Dyson would think. Maybe in there with Josh Grant and some of these guys in the fifth, you know, five to seven range, like you said. For sure. Now, uh, like, like, as far, as far as like uh, a prediction for your podium for the end of the of the night, three motos will go on, uh, three gate drops at ten laps apiece. Who's your podium starting from third? Ooh, um, that's a big question. I think if I was going to say third, I'd probably say Jason Anderson. Um, and then I think it's going to be Eli second. And Marvin first. I think Marvin wins it, personally. Fair enough. Well, you heard it here first. Marvin Moosecan to take his very first MEC title and the number one machine on the on the bright orange KTM next year. Tony Blazer said so. I myself, uh, as far as my podium, I'm going Jason Anderson at, uh, at third place. Uh, Marvin Muskan for second, and Eli taking it once again. Green Kawasaki, uh, monster everywhere, monster in in his hotel room, monster at the party, monster on his bike, uh, his helmet, uh, most likely somewhere on his boots, maybe even on his underwear. Monster Energy Cup, Eli Tomac. You might be right. I was torn on this too, but 
Uh, I think Marvin is going to win it for the first time. I'd, I'd like to see him win it, so it'd be pretty cool. Either way, it'd be great. As long as it's a good race. Like I said, it doesn't really matter who wins this race. As long as it's exciting to watch is really all that matters. Just put on a good show, and I think everybody will be happy. Fair enough. Final question for you. A bit of an odd one. Of all of this listed riders, which one of them would you like to have a beer with? <laughs> okay, say that again. If all these of all these riders in the cup what? class, if you could have, if you could sit down one-on-one conversation for like, yeah, around an hour, so to speak, just to like, like pick the brain, have a beer with one of these guys, who are you sitting down with? Oh, oh my gosh, that's a really good question. Everybody, you know, I got, I think the guy that'd be the most fun to hang out with would be Dino. Dean Wilson seems like a I really awesome the exact dude. Same I think thing. he'd be the best guy to hang out with. No, especially yeah, I think sure. that that uh, that uh, Scottish accent would just like for, like just like get to that next <laughs> level with a couple of Guinness yep. or or something. I guess that's an, is an Irish for thing? sure. Irish thing. But uh, um, he'd have a couple of beers in him, and he'd be talking just great. And uh, um, there'd be some stories. And I think, given the fact that he was uh, teammates with uh, Marvin Muscan and Ryan Dungey, who um, by all reports weren't as warm to him as maybe they could have been during that time period, as well as the fact that those guys, like people don't really like get too close to that, the, the inner circles of those two guys. I think you would find out a lot more than you ever knew before about those two riders. If you sit down with Dean Wilson. I'm sure. Yeah. Dean, Dean's a different guy. I think he's, you know, he's somebody like Eli, I'm sure he's nice, but he seems so serious and straight laced. I don't think he'd have a whole lot of fun hanging out with him. Uh, or half the guys out there, you know, really. I, I think Dino just seems like a normal, fun-loving kid who really wants to have a good time, and uh, I guarantee he's a good time to hang out with. For sure. Actually, uh, I think like uh, second on that list would be Josh Grant, mainly because one beer would mostly turn out to be several more, and you'd be, go- <laughs> you'd be going home in a, uh, in, a, in a happy living in the now t-shirt, possibly some jewelry as well. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah, Josh seems like a cool kid, too. Although he's not really a kid that much anymore. He's probably pushing 30 now, but yeah. No, yeah, I think he turned pro in 2004. So Four, yeah, he's part yeah. of that, uh, that draft class. You know what actually what I was going to uh, uh, bring up to you was, did you know that Ryan Sipes turned pro in like 2003? I didn't know it was that far back. If you'd asked me, I would have said it was like 07 or so. But yeah, no, it's pretty it was amazing how long it's been. on a KX125 in Canada. Wow. Yeah. That was his last year going to, to think uh, how long ago that was. Yeah, long, long, long yeah. last time ago. I was just riding a classic steel on the, like, the first KXF 250. Um, oh, the 04. Jesus. And I was, and I was, yeah, was very That's not classic steel. That's scrap steel. <laughs> I should have changed the name for it. I should have made this one scrap steel. But it, yeah, it was no, crazy. Yeah, no, seriously. I raced like, one of those. It was a how pile long of crap. I just had you uh, comment on it, but it's um, it's amazing to me to think about how long ago that was. You know, it's like it just yeah. seems like yesterday to me. I, I bought the first, you know, YZ250F when it came out in '01, and it just seems like yesterday to me. But it's like, good lord, it was almost 20 years ago. It's just amazing how fast all that time goes. You know. 
No kidding, my friend. Uh, yeah, I would have no good things to say about that bike. And it's no wonder that uh, with all those retro builds going on, you don't see too many people making like a tribute bike to uh, Hot Sauce's uh, championship bike in 05. Yes. Like no one's oh, doing that. that. Ugly to begin with. Nope, oh, nobody does that. Uh, here's the no. question. How many of those grenades are still in operation is the question. You know, maybe Just look on Craigslist <laughs> and... Go on Craigslist and look at the like just the modge podge of parts that have been put together, keeping one of those bikes together. Uh, oh, lots sure. of Bondo in the engine cases. Um, just nope. Like there was a guy locally had one on had one for sale for four thousand dollars. All I commented was that it was sixty five new. Like, right. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Oh, I I bought a new CRF that year. I had the first year of the 250. Um, yeah. and actually, I didn't really love that bike, but uh, it was uh, so much better than that Suzuki and Kawasaki. What a oh, crazy yeah, the, bike that the, was! The Sakagawi, the the oh, that was it was uh, there was that was a combo that no one should have shared. I I do like that the factory ca- uh, RM guys put the uh, uh, the RG3 uh, triple clamps and were able to put the the Suzuki front f- fender and and uh, front plate combo. I am actually looking at that right now as I have a, a permaplaked photo of uh, a Davy Millsaps on that exact machine in my house right now. Um, right. That was a better look. Seeing a, a, an RMZ with the Kawasaki front number plate and yellow Kawasaki Fender was less than awesome, uh, but uh, yeah, I, like to me, those are forgettable years in uh, the world of, of like I would call them light spikes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was strange because it just it re- literally was Kawasaki plastic, just yeah. yellow. <laughs> right, but it was just an absolute abortion of a of a shroud. Like the shroud for both bikes was just like, what is this? And it just looked so yep. derpy and just like, oh, they 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 thought about it for like two seconds. Yeah, we'll put like kind of an angular thing and just get it out, get it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah to drain the uh, drain the coolant to change the oil filter because oh, it was all yeah. one piece in the damn thing. Oh, what a right. a half ass machine that was. No, that was. Uh, yeah, no, they let the first-year kids uh, design that sucker. Um, and then, of course, uh, our, uh, Suzuki held on to that bike one year longer than they should have. And uh, Kawasaki yep. uh, had the had the aluminum frame in 2006 and just blew everybody out of the water for three years straight. Yeah, that was a good bike when they came out with that thing, for sure. Oh, yeah. No, I, actually, I was surprised to see that Hot Sauce uh, rode the 2005 bike at the Motocross Nations that year. Um because a he didn't have to, and b I couldn't. Have, I I would have just imagined that the the 2006 would have been a much better bike. In fact, at the end of that year, Grant Langston was riding that bike at 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 Glen Helen. Yeah, maybe they figured they hadn't had a time to shake it down, ability wise. Maybe I don't know. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, you think he because it was a much better bike in every way for sure. Yeah, yeah, I had both. They were uh, I had the 04 and I had the 06 and it was like the the 0506 04 same bike and uh they were hot. They were sluggish. They were so raked out like you had like like every single magazine was talking about like just pulling that front end in because literally on the stand you could see how far the front end was ahead of that motorcycle. It handled like an 18-wheeler. 
<laughs> yeah, they say it wasn't yeah. the best turning bike to be sure. I'm just, that was the thing. You figure if some guy had already had RNs and he bought that RNZ, he was in for a rude awakening because it did not handle like a Suzuki at all. You know, it, exactly. It was like a tractor trailer compared to the RN125. You know, it's like, oh, what yeah. the hell's wrong like with this? The slim, sleek, tight turning 125. And then the next year you're on this like couch that just like you're you're trying like it all it did was like it's just sweepers everywhere like if you could go to like i guess like Washugal not Washugal uh like um Unadilla where everything's kind of sweeping like that you could do well there because yeah there's no real abrupt turning going on but yeah wow right for sure you're definitely looking for a berm to bounce off of and that thing definitely or or a, a pile of wood like they used to have at uh, was that high point uh, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They had the the, uh, the two by four. No, I'm sorry, the plywood like, wall there. They bounce off of the yeah, high it point. Like, yeah, it was railroad ties or something like that. It was pretty badass. Yeah, I was sad when they got rid of that. I was thought it was cool, made for cool pictures. No kidding, my friend. Well, I'm going to let you get get to uh, the 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 rest of the Thursday night football game. The all uh, clad in white uh, Philadelphia Eagles are uh, leading. No, they are they are trailing the all-powder blue um, Carolina Panthers. Car- uh, uh, Cam just got knocked out of bounds. He looks like he's hurting a little bit. But uh, I'll let you get back to some football, my friend. I love that the podcast about uh, Monster Cup uh, ended up with more conversation about the uh, the optics of a much maligned Kawasaki-Suzuki marriage that was uh, uh, thankfully short-lived. But uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Where can people find you on social media if they're not already following you on every single medium? On Instagram and Twitter, I'm just uh, at Tony Blazer, and it's spelled uh, T-O-N-Y-B-L-A-Z-I-E-R. Um, and then on Facebook, I have, yeah, Blazier, exactly, old French. And then on uh, YouTube and on Facebook, it's the Motocross Vault. And I do appreciate. Uh, I, I I am a cable cutter. I don't have cable. Uh, I'm watching the uh, the football ball game through the magic of uh, my girlfriend's mom's uh, TV box uh, hacked through her laptop. Amazon. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, um, for the most part, like if there's nothing to, else to watch, I've always got some some. I th- you you sent me a bunch of uh, stuff for in the. Uh, um, an external hard drive, but if I don't have that on hand, I can always go on YouTube and relive uh, Tempe uh, Supercross from uh, 1993, or I can watch some 96 stuff, or uh, yeah, anything like that. People go check it out, the Motocross Vault on YouTube. Go kill some time, and go follow Tony on everything on social media so he can continue smoking me in all things social media. It's good times, good people. Kelsey's. All right, thanks, man. I appreciate it.